Our second scripture lesson today is also from the book of Acts, chapter 4, beginning with verse 32. Hear the word of God. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open your word, open our hearts, that your word might enter and shape us into new creatures in Christ. Amen. It's a joy for me to be back here at St. Simon's Presbyterian Church on a special day, a day when you give thanks and celebrate the ministry of Bob Brearley among you. Uh, Bob has been a good friend for a long time, and I have a lot of respect for, for Bob, for his integrity, for the way he goes about and does ministry each day with joy and with faithfulness. He's been a, a model for me of, of ministry also want to thank Alan, and I'm excited that Bob will retire, but Alan will stay, <laughs> and will stay among you here, and thank them for their friendship and welcome today. And I also want to thank you, St. Simon's Presbyterian, for your support, uh, your prayers and support, which allow me to represent Jesus Christ and you in Taiwan. Uh, there's so much bad news in our world that as I'm on this interpretation assignment for these six months in the U.S. before I go back to Taiwan in August, uh, to be able to share the good news of what God is doing through you and through so many Christians in Taiwan and, and in Asia. Well, today is Pentecost, and Pentecost begins with dreams. God likes us to dream with God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon those gathered believers, an ancient prophecy from the prophet Joel begins to come true. It starts with God's dream, which is given to sons and daughters, to young men and to old men, to slaves and free, both women and men. God pours out God's spirit and people begin to dream. If you hang around God long enough, you will dream. God is a God who dares to dream. And God calls us to dream with God. When we stop dreaming, we stop counting on the power of God. But it's difficult to dream. There's so much around us which can shatter our dreams. I often ask Taiwanese young people, what is your dream for your life? And most Taiwanese high school students answer, I don't have much of a dream except to get through high school and pass the college entrance exam. Those kids study all the time. 
Once I hiked from the seminary where I lived to the Palace Museum, which is not that far, and that day I wasn't going to the Palace Museum to look at the artifacts inside the museum. I was going to enjoy the view from in front of that museum. And as I sat there and enjoyed the view, two Taiwanese college students, two young men, asked me if I would take their picture. So I took their picture, and then one sat on my left and one sat on my right, and the guy on my left said, why did you come to Taiwan? And people ask me that all the time, and it's a great way to share my faith. I said, well, God led me to Taiwan. And then that young man asked me a question that I don't think anyone's ever asked me in Taiwan. He said, would you tell us a story from your Christian tradition? I said, are, are you a Christian? He said, no. Well, a missionary loves a question like that. So from Jesus' birth to Jesus' resurrection, I spent about 15 minutes telling him the story of our faith. And he listened with an intensity that far surpassed the students in my seminary classes. And after I told them the story, I asked them, how can I pray for you guys? And the beauty of Taiwan, both the beauty and the challenge, is that Taiwanese believe any God can help them, so they're not offended that a Christian would pray for a non-Christian. And the guy to my left said, pray for my mom, she has a brain tumor. And then the guy to my right said, I'm a dreamer. He said, I have two dreams I'd like you to pray for. He said, first of all, I want to go to the U.S. and study graduate school. And I have to pass the TOEFL, the English equivalency exam. Pray that I'll have good English for my TOEFL exam. And he said, my second dream is there's this young woman in my college class and, and she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to become my girlfriend. Pray that she will know that she's supposed to become my girlfriend. <laughs> well, I like that young guy. I said, you are a dreamer. He dares to dream. But reality can often keep us from dreaming. I found that many folks find it easier not to dream, to accept the world as it is, it often hurts less to dream, especially when our dreams don't come true. And with you, I know the current situation of our world today. It is a world divided by religion, by race, by nation, by wealth and poverty, by political party. And having served as a pastor in the U.S. in three different churches, I also know the division in the church between liberal and conservative, between traditional worship and contemporary, between formal and, and informal, between older and younger. I've seen the brokenness of the church as good folks hurt each other with their words and their actions. But as Christians, we can dare to dream. Like those intergenerational dreamers on that first Pentecost when God sent the Holy Spirit, we too can see visions and dream dreams. And the church wouldn't be where it is today. St. Simon's Presbyterian wouldn't be where it is today if you all and your forebears had not been willing to dream. And one thing that still excites me about the church after these many years of serving through the church is the belief that God can use the church to change the world. So each day as I awake and begin to pray, I ask, God, what dreams do you want us to dream today?
What visions do you have for us as your community of faith? And then I begin each day excited and expectant that we serve a God who dreams and who calls us to dream. The early church dared to dream. For you see, they were living in the glow of Christ's resurrection, an event which they never imagined could happen. A dead person being raised from the dead had happened. And the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It changed the way that these first Christians saw themselves and saw their relationship one to the other. And the resurrection proved that no power could control Christ and that new power was given to this small band of Christians. And they began to dream dreams of what kind of life they could live together. They were told by the government to keep quiet about their faith, but even that threat didn't keep them quiet. And I think the most important testimony to the reality of the resurrection and to the power of the Holy Spirit was not an empty tomb. It was their life together that was so radically different from the rest of the world. Their experience on this first Pentecost was not a momentary mountaintop experience which led to no change in their daily lives. Often our religious experiences happen at a worship service or a retreat. God moves in a special way and we're changed. But the test of any religious experience is in our families. On Monday morning at work, in your school, on the streets of St. Simon, St. Simon's Island. The world or the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and we are changed. In God's Spirit led them and leads us in 2018 to dream God's dream. What did the early church look like? Well, it was a mixed bag. The early church had a good problem, rapid growth. After Peter preaches a stirring sermon, 3,000 people believe. Now remember, back then they didn't have a church building. So where did they put all these people? Well, you all take 25, you all take 50, you in the back are going to take 100 in your home for Bible study. They had to split people up into people's homes. The Lord continued to add to their number, which was a blessing and also a challenge. In January, I was in the mainland of China in Jiangsu province, and I preached on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock to 7,000 people. When I was in seminary, I never dreamt that I would preach at one sitting to 7,000 people. There were 6,000 in the sanctuary, and there were 1,000 outside in freezing temperatures listening on loudspeakers. They were packed in that church. They were in the aisles. They were in the stairwells. If the fire marshal had been there, he would have shut the church down. And they had their Bibles open, and they were taking notes. When the church was closed in China during the Cultural Revolution, and those faithful elders and pastors were put in prison, they kept praying. And today, their dream is being fulfilled. We are told that the early church was of one heart and mind. They had a common purpose that is so needed in 2018. God united them into one body, Christ's body, and their common denominator was that they were brothers 
and sisters in Christ. They did not all look alike or talk alike, but they were of one mind and heart. I've been in Taiwan 20 years, and I've been there so long that I forget that my face is different from the Taiwanese. I really forget that I look different because I don't look at myself, I look at them. And when I'm hiking with friends, if, a, if another family passes us and a, a child says, Ma, a Wygwarden, a, a foreigner, I always say, where? Where? <laughs> In Christ, we become one people of one heart and mind. And what happens to this community is remarkable in the world then, in the world today. They begin to share with one another and to care for those in need. Just as they speak with boldness in a dangerous world, they too live with boldness in a world of need. Because Jesus has been risen, because the Holy Spirit is with them, they have to live differently. They're part of a new family, and and they offer their property for the well-being of all. These early Christians entrust their property to the 12 apostles, and then they decide the extent of each person's need. And and the symbol of of this new life is a man named Joseph. And, And the great thing about the Bible is when you become a Christian... You're given a new name, and Joseph becomes Barnabas. And we just heard that Barnabas means in Hebrew, the son of encouragement. What a great name, the son of encouragement. He sells a piece of property, and he gives it to the church, the the proceeds to the church, and, and, and then they use that to encourage those in need. Christ is raised, and everything is different. The Holy Spirit comes and shapes a new community, they are free from their selfishness and become people of open hands who encourage others. There's a church in a rural part of Taiwan in the breadbasket, Yunling County. And in Taiwan, when my seminary students graduate, they don't go interview with a search committee of a church. They, They pull the name of a presbytery from a hat. It's a lottery system. And once you get the name of the presbytery, if there happen to be perhaps two or three open churches in that presbytery that year, the presbytery committee decides among those who chose their name which young evangelist will go to which church. And this student of mine and his wife, they have a real burden for youth ministry and children's ministry. And they chose a, a, a town, a, a church in a town called Sueling. And they got there that first Sunday, nine years ago, and as he began to preach, he looked out at that congregation, and there were seven elderly people, no children and no youth. Well, they began to pray. And of that seven, three of those seven elderly people are their elders, so they're three elders. So they said to the elders, we're going to start dreaming. I really think the elders expected that this young pastor and his wife had come to say their funerals, and to say the funeral for that church. But that young pastor said, no, we're going to start dreaming, God's dream. And boy, did they dream. And when I was in that church last November, there were 65 children and youth from that community, all from non-Christian homes, who are now members of that congregation. And it got around town that this is the place where kids are changed. And when I was seated in the front pew getting ready to preach, there was a boy about 10 next to me and his brother about 7. 
And, and after I preached the sermon, the pastor's wife said, I want to tell you about those two brothers. The older brother was caught stealing someone else's cell phone at the primary school. And they live with their grandmother because their parents divorced. And they asked grandma to come to school. And a non-Christian social worker was the one who was tasked with dealing with this boy's theft. And the social worker had heard that when children go to the Presbyterian church in town, they're changed. So the social worker said to grandma, grandma, you have two choices. One is we call the police and they'll deal with your grandson's theft. And grandma said, I don't want to call the police. The social worker said, well, your second choice is to send your two grandsons to the Presbyterian church. And she said, well, I worship at the temple. I don't want to go. I don't want them going to the church. And the social worker said, well, then we'll call the police. She said, to the Presbyterian church. A non-Christian social worker becomes the witness, the evangelist for the local Presbyterian youth ministry in town. When I went in November, I was preaching two morning services, and they had their 60th year celebration, Thanksgiving service. I was preaching at an afternoon service, and in between those services, I went to the 7-Eleven in that town. In Taiwan, the 7-Elevens are the community centers. You can get pretty good lattes at the 7-Eleven. You can pay your electric bill at the 7-Eleven. You can buy sweet potatoes. I mean, cooked sweet potatoes. 7-Elevens are pretty wonderful in Taiwan. And I went to the 7-Eleven to get a coffee, and I walked in, and the, the manager of the 7-Eleven said, what brings you to our town? There aren't a lot of foreigners in, in this town. They call foreigners in Taiwanese atoka, which means the one with the long nose. It's not a statement of uh, criticism, it's just a descriptive statement. So she said, what would an atoga, uh, the one with the long nose, be doing in our town? And I said, well, I'm, I'm speaking at the local Presbyterian church. And she smiled, and she said, we love the Presbyterian church. I said, oh, are you a member? And she said, oh, no, but the church loves the children of our town. And I went back to that afternoon service and I said, you all are doing a great job of dreaming God's dream. They are changing a town. Now, originally they had lost their dream, but God, the Holy Spirit, still had a dream for that church. St. Simon's Presbyterian, you have a wonderful heritage. And you have two wonderful pastors who have led you to use your resources, your time, your talents for God's kingdom. But God isn't done with y'all. God wants you to keep dreaming. Keep dreaming God's dream for this church and for this community. This morning I stopped at McDonald's on my way here, and I noticed I was, me and one other guy were the only ones with a tie on in McDonald's. Everyone else was dressed kind of, I wouldn't call it beach casual, I'd call it beach, you know, pretty casual. And I don't, I don't think they were headed to church, but there may be other churches in town that are really, really casual. But I thought about those people in McDonald's, those who worked there and those who were eating there, and I thought, who's going to share the good news with them? God has a dream for you, for your family, and for this congregation. Be the one who notices the unnoticed. Be the one who welcomes the child, the youth, the senior citizen. Think of someone who has been a Barnabas to you, either at this church or in your life, and be a Barnabas to others, the son or daughter of encouragement. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart 
and mind, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. God's power and grace are upon you all on this Pentecost. We just need time to stop what we are doing sometimes and put down our cell phones and begin dreaming God's dream for your life, for this congregation. God wants to continue to bless St. Simon's Presbyterian. Continue to bless this congregation that you will continue to be a blessing to this island, to this state, to this nation, and to the world. You know, on this beautiful May Day here in Georgia, it's a great day for dreaming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.